Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Charles Sabansi from the Dreamers Pro Show, and we want to welcome you guys to the Dreamers Pro Podcast, where we cover everything from sports, hot topics, classic debates, entertainment, and where we give you guys a fresh perspective on things and how we see them. Now, let's get started with the first topic of today's show. This morning, like I normally do, I know it's a bad habit. Some people say you shouldn't do it, but one of the first things that I do is I pick up my phone. And I started scrolling through the internet. And by the internet, I'm referring to uh, Instagram, right? Kind of helps me wake up. So I'm scrolling through there. And, you know, I follow a number of sports pages. So I'm scrolling through Instagram, right? And I'm seeing one thing. I'm seeing the other thing. I'm like, okay, what are these people discussing this morning? And then I see an image, uh, excuse me, a post. And this post, I believe, was posted from... Let me just verify this. This post was posted from who posted this sports center uh, and NBA on ESPN. And I saw JJ Reddick's face. Now, I was surprised when I saw JJ's face there because number one, uh, JJ right now isn't on ESPN. I mean, he's part of ESPN, obviously, but um, they haven't. They, they, he hasn't started to make appearances this you know this season because, as you guys know, the NBA season. I mean, if you want to say it started, the preseason started last night, but I don't think the season itself has started. But anyway, he wasn't on there. So I was surprised to see <clears throat> what this post had to say. So, of course, I was still sleepy, so I couldn't read it uh, properly. So then when I finally got up and uh, had an opportunity to read it, I then gained a, a better understanding of what he was talking about. And I want to quickly read what JJ uh, posted on, I believe, on um, his Twitter page. This was about... Uh, less than less than 12 hours ago, he wrote, I grew up in the NBA. The team I was on, we had plenty of motivational speakers. Some of them I really took a lot from and a few were impactful for our team. None of these talks were recorded and then posted to social media. What are we doing now? Is the locker room not sacred anymore? And then... After he said that, I started to think, but what the hell is he talking about? What is JJ referring to? And then I remembered. Recently, uh, Deion Sanders, I'm assuming, was invited by the Philadelphia 76ers to have a luncheon with the team owners, general managers, coaches, uh, and of course, the players to talk to them and to motivate them. And as you guys know, uh, Deion Sanders is probably one of the most motivational uh, people we have out there right now. I actually follow him on Instagram. I haven't. I I started following him less than a month ago, and a lot of the things that he posts, uh, to be quite honest with you, um, I find to be very very useful. He posts motivational videos, things that have various lessons. So I, I you know, it's been a pleasure. It's been a joy uh, following him, so I can understand why. Um, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers would want him to come and speak to their group. And of course, he's a very accomplished uh, athlete, uh, Super Bowl winner. Um, he's a Hall of Fame guy. So uh, it would make sense to get someone as decorated as that to that's also current right now, still coaching a team, the Colorado Buffaloes to bring him in and talk to uh, the guys there. So then I was like, OK, so he's talking about Dion. Now, funny enough, we had actually produced a video I believe it was two days ago that was reacting to some of the comments that Deion Sanders had to make about the current, uh, 
you know, this current crop of NBA players and their lack of competitive fire. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. But then I realized also that, wait a minute, this thing was actually recorded. And I was like, okay, now I understand. So what we want to do is want to play just some of the things. The video we found is about a 30-minute video. Uh, but what we want to do is want to play a little bit of what Deion Sanders had to say to uh, the Philadelphia 76ers, and then we'll come back and continue with the show. Take a listen to some of the things that Deion said here. In life, to get where you want to go, you're going to have to get some up. You're going to have to sacrifice something. I don't care if it's her, if it's the homies, if it's the brawls, if it's the drugs, if it's the alcohol. You're going to have to get some up. So to get where you want to go, it's going to always be something in between that. And you got to remove that. That's called sacrifice <coughs> where I'm from. So wherever y'all trying to get to, it's going to be something in everybody's life that you don't have to give up to get it. Or you ain't going to get it. That's called sacrifice. Yes, sir. Nervous when you perform this I ain't song. never nervous. <laughs> no, you know why I ain't nervous? Because I practice for it. Because everything I do on the practice field, I do in the game. You just getting a chance to see. I'm talking about on SNL when you perform this song. Oh, when I. <laughs> <laughs> the hit record must be the money? Yeah. <laughs> So those are some of the things that he had to say. Now, I want to take it a, a step further. I want to read a little bit from an article called Tequan, uh, from the website called Tequan.com. And it says, Deion Sanders says Michael Jordan wanted that smoke, which which NBA players today avoid. Uh, 
They want to be Tarzan on paper. The article then goes on to say Deion Sanders, a renowned university of Colorado football coach known affectionately as Coach Prime, recently had a candid heart-to-heart with the Philadelphia 76ers. Sanders took the opportunity to discuss the change in landscape of competition in professional sports, especially the NBA. Drawing a direct contrast, Sanders highlighted the relentless competitive nature of basketball legend Michael Jordan. When we came up, MJ wanted that smoke, Sanders reminisced. Wherever that dude was, he was going to get that's the era I came up with. The, this comparison aimed to emphasize how today's athletes, according to Sanders, seem to lack that of fire and aggression, focusing more on protecting their image and statistics than facing challenges head on. However, Sanders did express concerns about certain players seemingly avoiding top matchups, possibly due to fears of fouling out or other reasons. He believes that modern athletes in some cases appear more protective, prioritizing their statistics and brand over the raw challenge of head-to-head competition. It's essential to clarify, uh, however, that Sanders was not pointing fingers at Joel Embiid. On the contrary, he expresses anticipation for matchups like that of Embiid versus the Denver Nuggets' Nikola Jokic. Sanders stated, a lot of folks duck that smoke. They want to be Tarzan on paper. If Embiid is playing the Joker, I want to see Embiid versus the Joker. All right? I want to see that. And he goes and gets it. I love that matchup, but I want to see it. And then the article then goes on to say a few other things there. So, what are my thoughts on all of this? Well, I have a few. I I understand what JJ Reddick is saying in terms of you know, wh- 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 what is what is the world coming to? Right? Does everything need to be publicized on social media? And to that I say this is the current day and age we live in. Uh, you know, people now like to post their business on the internet. Some of it could be private business. I've seen, bro, I've seen some, there was a, there was a lady I was talking to a lady, a girl I was talking to when I was in college and she applied for a study abroad visa and she got her visa. And then she goes and posts, uh, I think the, the visa document with her, with her passport picture and all of her personal information. And she goes and posts that on Instagram. And I was like somewhere else and I was going through my Instagram and I saw her post and I'm like, I called up. I'm like, why did you post this on Instagram? Like, why would you post this personal information on the Internet? Like, why would you do this? And she looked at me like I didn't see the big like, what's the big problem? with it? I'm like, are you serious? You're going to put your personal information on the Internet. What if somebody gets your personal info? Like, what if somebody uses that, forges that? In her mind, she didn't see it that way. In her mind, she's just sharing a wonderful moment. And I'm like, you can share a wonderful moment, but not your personal details on the internet. I say that to say this is the day and age we live in. People want to share everything. This goes for people in their personal lives and even in the sports realm. Now, um, the audio that we played for you guys, you could clearly see that the person or people that were recording that lunch that conversation that they were having at luncheon um you could clearly see that the people in the room were fully aware of the person recording it wasn't like as if somebody had a camera under the table or somebody put a camera in one of the the vents or something like that no you could see the guy was paying the person i don't know it could be a woman person was panning around the room and all of that so the philadelphia 76ers were fully aware of this and it could also be a possibility that uh the sixers wanted to document that it could have been one of the players. It could have been Deion Sanders himself. Who knows, right? So to JJ's point about why are we publicizing this, my brother, this is where we are. 
this is the day and age we find ourselves in and people are going to publish their personal information uh, for public consumption. It just is what it is. Now, maybe the angle he's taken uh, taken is, I thought locker rooms were to be sacred. I think that if JJ has that particular stance, I think the, the, the question that he poses needs, needs to be directed at the people who allowed that thing to be number one recorded and number two allowed it to be published on the internet. I think that's a question really for the Sixers and maybe the people involved. If, if Because he directed it at them. He didn't make it a broad thing. Like, what are we doing in society today as it pertains to posting information in general? He's talking about the Sixers here. Um, and to me, uh, this was kind of, I think this was the first time I've seen a professional team invite uh, a player in and then have it recorded. It could have happened in the past. I don't know. I know that we've had various athletes go speak to um teams like college teams i've seen that a lot i've seen ray lewis do it i saw chris paul do it i've seen kobe bryant do it um but those were like collegiate teams maybe high school team but i you don't you you seldom see a professional team like for instance you can invite tony robbins to go talk to i don't know the dallas cowboys i haven't seen it may have happened but i've never seen it i've never seen the video of it but um i guess it raises an interesting question to me i'm not really surprised because of the day and age that we live in now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. I can already see people gritting their teeth, like I hate yo, I can't stand this mother. Like I like what like like what is it? First of all, let me give you guys the breakdown of actually what happened today. Today, funny enough, I thought it was going to be one of those boring days. When there wasn't much to talk about. And for the majority of the day, I didn't see much to talk about, to be quite honest with you. We were here kind of going back and forth, researching various things. And I said to myself, I'm like, man, we may just produce one show uh, and call it a day. So I went out, ran a few errands, came back, checked the news again. And then I came across uh, an article from uh, FadeAwayWorld.net. And it had something to do with uh, Michelle Beadle talking about LeBron. So... I said, do I really want to talk about this? Because I feel like this is something that uh, she said already in the past. And I thought that it was an old video. So I said, well, for like, there's nothing else to do. So for, you know what, and giggles, let me just see what this video is about. So I click on it. And then uh, what I noticed is that the video was actually published, uh, what, one day ago. One day ago, and I was like, okay, this is a recent video. I said, okay, so let me see what it's about. So the gentleman that was interviewing her, let me just quickly get the name of the show so I give out uh, the proper credit. This is some of the things that people complain about on the internet, not giving people their credit. So I got this channel from Awful Announcing, which also sounds like a website, Awful Announcing. But anyway, that's the name of the, the, the podcast, Awful Announcing Podcast, right? Um, Yeah, that was the show. So... I click on it to see what she was going to say. And to the credit of the host, he was very straightforward with his line of questioning. And he asked her, but in a very sarcastic way. Um, so it turns out it looks like LeBron is the one that got you fired from uh, ESPN. Now, before we play what she had to say, there was a story uh, a number of years ago when um, Michelle Beadle used to be be on ESPN. She, be, she used to be on Sports Nation. Uh, she was a huge Spurs fan. As a matter of fact, when Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs were having their fallout, she was one of the people that was vocal, uh, vocally 
uh, upset with the way Kawhi Leonard was doing things, right? Um, she, she didn't appreciate that at all. So Michelle Beadle is someone that usually has strong opinions, but she was very good at her job. Anyway, apparently, after LeBron James made the decision back in 2011, she was amongst the crop of people that were pretty much making fun of him for that decision in the way uh, it was handled. And according to her in the past, she said that essentially what happened was LeBron tried to uh, get her removed uh, from ESPN. And this is something that she publicly said. So in this particular soundbite, she's kind of going over what the, the host is asking her to kind of elaborate on what she meant by LeBron tried to get rid of her at ESPN. So what we want to do is want to quickly play uh, what Michelle Beadle had to say here about her situation with LeBron. And then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to Mich uh, Michelle Beadle here. Has LeBron James contacted <laughs> Eric Spitz in an attempt to uh, to get you removed from SiriusXM yet? Not, not yet. Not that I know of. <laughs> but, you know, I hope they'll tell me if he does because those are fun conversations. <laughs> yeah, so, and for, for anybody who, who missed that, does not know a couple years ago on your What Did I Miss podcast, you revealed oh. that LeBron attempted to get you fired from ESPN, possibly because you joined a cast of millions in millions. in mocking the decision. Yeah. Um, were, were you made aware of his attempt as it was happening or was that something that you found out after? No, I found out after, um, in like all the chaos that ensued sort of right after I left, um, all this other information started coming out. So I kind of knew I'd gotten wind of it right as I was leaving. Uh, and then more stuff came out and I was just like, what a crap show. <laughs> Good Lord. And I, I'm, I'm sure LeBron has since apologized to you. Oh, he sent me so many flowers. How could I not forgive him? <laughs> what was it? Um, was it NBA countdown that he wanted you removed from? Yes. He wanted me replaced. And then you were eventually replaced on, on countdown by Rachel Nichols. So do you think that LeBron ended up having any influence over that decision or, or no, I mean, if he by the did, time it happened, it, it was, you know, if he did, it was short lived. Um, but you know, she did that to herself. So it's sort of one of those things where when I was on the outside watching it all crumble, it, I couldn't help but kind of laugh. Cause I, you know, you hear things, you know, things you're told things, and then you get to sort of stand away and watch the house burn. <laughs> you're just like, Holy cow. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't know how much of it was real and how much wasn't. And, um, yeah, you know, I, he's a powerful dude. I mean, I, there's no, there's no getting around that. He is an empire and an entity upon himself. And he's in, in all the respect for building such a powerful entity on, on a name and, and doing it well. Um, so yeah, it's, people are going to listen. Um, I don't think they replaced me immediately. And that, that was, I guess somebody's way of kind of having my back, but it didn't feel like it. So you heard, uh, what she had to say there. What do I think about this? Well, for one, for her to be saying it this publicly, um, it must mean that she really believes it to be the truth. Because the last thing you want to do is slander someone. That's the first thing. The second thing, LeBron James himself has admitted that he knows a lot of people at ESPN and he has a lot of power. Uh, how do I know this? This took place during the 2020 lockdown and there were various interviews being conducted all over the place. And I think LeBron James went on Richard Jefferson's podcast. And I think Richard Jefferson said something. He was like, I don't want to get in trouble with my bosses or something like that. And he was like, 
you, you like you're gonna get in trouble with your bosses? No way. Like not if you like not if I know you. Like nothing like that's gonna happen. And people were like, wait a minute, how the hell does LeBron have that much influence over the, the hiring over the hiring decisions over at uh, ESPN? But that was what he said with his own mouth. It wasn't what I heard. It wasn't from an article I read. That was what he said. The, re- the only reason I'm playing it because I don't know how long it's gonna take for us to unearth. Uh, that video that that clip but if there's some people in the comment section uh, after the show that want to doubt me y'all know i always have the receipts and i always pull up the sources we're not one of those places that say we heard it from the moon and we can't verify it if i say i saw i read it i'm most likely going to provide you the source so if you're going to question that be sure to uh to do that no by the way there's somebody in the comment section that owes me one thousand dollars he knows who he is he was talking a lot of smack i'm still looking for you by the way i'm still waiting for your message on instagram anyway um so LeBron has said that. Uh, we also know that Skip has alluded to the fact that LeBron and Clutch Sports have a lot of influence uh, in sports media. You see people like Nick Wright, who rep- who's represented by Clutch Sports. He's out there, LeBron guy. There were reports from the in the past. Again, this was on television where Joy Taylor essentially said that she heard that Shannon was getting paid money under the table to say nice things about LeBron James and then Steven Jackson uh, who was on the show said, I heard the same thing too. So there's always been these kind of reports, these rumors that um, Clutch Sports is kind of controlling a lot of these guys to kind of push LeBron narratives. Uh, some people said that about Kendrick Perkins as well, that Kendrick Perkins is a clutch guy. This seems to be the the impression out there. So do I believe that something like this can happen? Uh, absolutely. Another reason I believe it is because I've also heard Stephen A. Smith um, lament the fact that one of the things he can't stand about LeBron is that his incessant need to try to control the narrative. Now, Stephen A. Smith uh, is someone that has him number two all time. It was all time rankings. But there have been many instances on ESPN when Stephen A. Smith himself has called out LeBron James for saying, what is this? What is this obsessive need to constantly control the narrative? And the case of Michelle Beadle, if she was strained away from the narrative or, uh, you know, saying things that weren't flattering about him that could possibly tarnish his, his image and reputation in any way, then they're going to try to stomp that out and snuff that out. Maybe that's what it is, because I don't see any other reason why, uh, you know, they would go after her right now. To me, do I think that that's something is correct? No. Do I think it's something that happens not just in the NBA? Do I think LeBron James is the only guy that does that? No. I think very famous, successful people that have an image to withhold, uphold, um, they're going to do these things. You've heard various reports of Puff Daddy, who I'm sure all of you know, who people have said he's had lawyers that would tell client people not to say this. Our artists were complaining about you have to sign non-disclosure forms. You can't say this. You can't say that. All of these things are done uh, allegedly to protect the person's image. Now, some of us may look at it and say, wait a minute, this is a little bit petty. But in the person's mind, they're like, they can't have people out there saying negative things about them. Now, not every star is like that. To be totally frank with you, not every star. I give you, I give you guys an example of an athlete that's not like that. Uh, MJ. Now, Michael Jordan, I believe, has mastered the ability to tune people out, and it's a superpower, especially in today's in today's world. MJ always has one jackass or another out there saying 
crazy things about him. Look at the Scottie Pippen thing, right? Look at the Scottie Pippen thing. Look at some of the some of the things that are being said about MJ in the media. MJ rarely comes out to defend himself or rarely sends out hitmen to ensure that these guys don't have jobs. He just lets them talk and he just ignores them, which is a superpower, to be quite honest with you. You have to have a lot of, you have to have a lot of, what's the word I'm looking for? Not confidence. Uh, um, what's the word when you're like, when you, when you believe, um, I can't, I can't find a word, but really you have to, you have to, you have to really be comfortable in your own skin to not be swayed or let the words of other people bother you, especially when those things aren't true. It's a superpower. So people like MJ found a way to ignore it. Kobe did to an extent, but whenever someone put a microphone in front of Kobe Bryant, he would respond to it. Like when they would put out these ridiculous uh, rankings, Kobe would say, hey, these guys are a bunch, of idiot, a bunch of idiots anyway. Would Kobe go out of his way to talk about it? No, but if you ask him about it, he would. So to me, uh, that's her story. I'm not here to say, oh, she's lying, because if I say that, then one person may have to ask, how do you know that she's lying? But she's telling her truth, and we decided, hey, why not cover it? Now, uh, there's some people that are going to take exception to us covering this particular story. And to that, I say, all right, we're, we're, what, would be the, what would be the situation in which we didn't cover it? Who's going to cover it? Is something like this going to be covered by big media? You know they won't. So are you telling me that you want no one to have an opinion on these type of things? There should be no balance uh, in sports coverage or it should just be the way you want it to be. And all of us should be up here twerking it up. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Now, this episode here is going to be very, very interesting. Right. Because it was something that I absolutely did not even see coming. Number one and number two, the information that I was able to gain from watching this show that I'm going to I mean, this this or really going through this information I'm going to share with you guys shortly um, really surprised me, really surprised me. Now, uh, for those of you guys uh, who don't know, Michelle Beadle used to work at ESPN. She used to be on this show, Sports Nation. She was very, very talented, quite humorous. Uh, she was a huge Spurs fan and she was an opinionated person. Right. And she's known. I mean, she's had times where she went at Kawhi Leonard. She was known for also going at LeBron James for his decision and all of those different things. But she was pretty she was pretty, pretty good at her job. So what happens? Uh, time went by and ultimately she left the network. Right. So time goes on. Then uh, Rachel Nichols, who was working at ESPN, she was coming through, coming up in the ranks getting a lot of notoriety, having a lot of shows to the point where she was even covering uh, the NBA finals. I believe she used to cover the NBA finals and that was a big issue that she had later on with the network, but she was covering NBA finals and all of that. Right. So she rose through the rankings and all of that. And then what happened back in 2000 and I want to say 21, an audio was leaked of her having a private conversation with someone after a show while she was still being recorded at ESPN. This was during the Orlando bubble where she was basically upset because ESPN wanted to take her off of the NBA and then give it to Maria Taylor at the time. And she believed that they were doing that to fill some type of diversity quota. Uh, and she didn't like that because I believe she was promised that job. And then they heard that and then that audio came out and then ultimately she was let go. And it was this big, 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 big uh, thing. Right. And we covered it at the time. Good. Time goes on. 
She leaves ESPN. Then later on, she was doing some stuff, I believe, with Showtime. And then now you see her back on television working for FS1, Fox Sports 1, and she makes appearances now on, she's a contributor, weekly contributor on Undisputed Live with Skip Bayless, Keyshawn Johnson, and the rest of these people up there. Good. So we know that. Now, this morning, I uh, was going through the internet, and I came across an article from Fadeaway World that was linking, uh, what is it, um, an interview that took place on the Awful Announcing podcast. Now, during that, interview i came across this video and it says michelle beetle discusses uh role of rachel nichols role of rachel nichols and lebron james role discusses role rachel nichols and lebron james played in her nba countdown exit because she also used to be uh on that show as well so i click on it now here's the interesting part we were initially when i was watching that clip i was watching it for another show we produced earlier today obviously it depends on the order in which you're seeing these shows so after i had gotten the part that i wanted for that other show i continued to listen because i didn't really pay much attention to the title as i was listening and now veered off into this conversation about the role that rachel nichols played in her departure in this case her referring to michelle beetle's departure uh, from ESPN. And I was very, very surprised. The reason I was surprised was because of what had happened to um, uh, Rachel Nichols a few years, a few years ago. So what we want to do is want to play exactly what Michelle Beadle had to say about the role that Rachel Nichols played on her exit from NBA Countdown. And then we're going to come back and continue on the show. Take a listen to that there. Did you have a working relationship with Rachel Nichols before she replaced you on Countdown? Um, we... We're civil. Uh, some people I don't trust in this business. That's one of them. Um, after, after she had audio leaked from a, a private conversation and was subsequently fired by ESPN, um, you not so subtly tweeted that karma is a bitch. Uh, yes, it is. Do you, do you think that Rachel Nichols personally influenced your departure from countdown um yeah i do i, okay. I mean look she ultimately is not that powerful but i think some of the narrative that was being allowed to be played out like specifically in the new york post at the time um it, you know i knew where it was coming from a lot of we all knew where it was coming from and it wasn't being stopped which is unfortunate you know you invest in someone time and salary and all of those things that they had done at that point to sort of just let it go because you don't want to deal with the ramifications or the, the bickering or the whining. That's not a good enough reason, but it is what it is. Um, decisions were made. Yeah. I mean, I learned a lot, but I also learned there are some things you can't control. I, I don't regret not getting down in the trough and, and slopping around in that mess. Um, maybe at the time I had thought about it more, like maybe fighting back, but it's not a good look and I've never really done my career that way. And I, I hope to never do my career that way. I, I think, your work should stand on its own and shouldn't be a bunch of backstabbing and, and stuff that goes on behind it. It's not a good way to do it. So then I, I have to at least ask if, if Rachel Nichols engaged in what we'll say media war games to replace you on countdown. Um, and we'll say at least somebody from Maria Taylor's camp did the same to get Nichols removed from the show. <laughs> yeah. um, Jesus. Did you did you do anything similar when you replaced Sage Steele to get the job? No. Um, and I know that that narrative was floated out there, too. It's it's a 
I didn't have to. I mean, the decisions that were made had been made. What happens is what I've learned now is that depending on what side of that story you are, you sort of can now go out and play that. So you can either you can play the victim card if that behooves you um, or you can go on the offensive, but you do it sneakily. So it's, it's just a it's just gross. And anyone who knows me knows I'm a little bit blunt and I'm a pretty honest person, but I'm also very sh short on patience. All of these games, it's it feels filthy. Like it feels dirty. And I loved the job. Like I love doing NBA countdown. It was a dream gig. And when my new, um, my new contract was coming up, that was a big part of the selling point was like, do you, what, do you want to host NBA countdown? That's going to be something you can do. I was like, absolutely. It was a dream job at the time. And then that sort of all came out. And then, and I know Sage felt very much like she'd been um, blindsided. I wasn't told she was blindsided. Like I knew what was coming. Um, so who knows? That's a sage question. You'd have to ask her what she had heard or was told. So you heard what she had to say. Now, to be honest with you guys, when I was listening to that, it was eye-opening because I began to realize just how cutthroat of an industry uh, this is. I mean, based on what I can ascertain from the information uh, I got from that from that interview, it seems like there was a lot of backstabbing taking place, a lot of conniving, a lot of scheming in the corner and and, and trying to wait for people to have a, a blunder and then you take advantage. That's what it seemed like to me. It seemed very cutthroat. And if you listen to what she said, she said you would think people are your friends and all of that, but then people have your have their eye on your position. And it also made me begin to remember uh, the situation that took place between Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith. Stephen A. Smith was very, very cold about his approach to Max Kellerman. And even after being the sole reason Max Kellerman was removed from ESPN first take, he then came out, he still comes out today talking about how Max wasn't this, how Max wasn't that, how he wasn't qualified, how he didn't rate well, on all of these different things. And I'm like, man, this is a pretty dirty game. A very, very dirty game. As a matter of fact, I was listening to um, an episode from Marcellus Wiley's show where he was talking about his departure from FS1 on the show uh, Speak for Yourself that's now branded as Speak. And he was talking about how things went down at that show. And I'm like, the reoccurring theme here is like, man, people will do anything to be in a position of power uh, and get one of these jobs. Now, for those of you who are unaware, if you can get one of these top jobs in this in this industry, they'll pay you well. They'll pay you well. I mean, some people are earning over a million dollars a year. If you're earning over a million dollars a year, I believe you're in a 1%. Uh, yeah, I think that'll put you in a 1% in the United States. So <laughs> getting one, I mean, these jobs must be very, very coveted. Uh, so if you're earning that, some people earn more. Some people earn 2 million, 3 million, 5 million, 10 million, you know, so people would do anything. It seems to get, you know, to get into those positions. That was, that was the surprising part and the backstabbing and all of that. That's something I didn't expect because when you think of sports, you think of fun, you think of excitement, you don't think of backstabbing and this guy throwing this guy into the butt. You don't, you don't think about all those things. So for her to say that and for her to, and that's the reason why she said when, uh, that thing happened when Rachel Nichols got removed from ESPN. She now she she was one of the people that said karma is a you know what. Now I understand it. At the time I didn't. So to me, man, it's a very cutthroat game, and it seems like people would do anything, literally anything, uh, to get to the top of the game. And to me, it's quite sad because there's so much space out there.
And the irony of it is now, I mean, if you look at today, for example, you don't have to be sitting here clamoring for some television job when you can go out there, you know, and kind of do it on your own. But for some people, they don't want to do that. This is security and a check, especially from one of these big networks. Obviously, you're going to have a bigger platform. Uh, so your message is going to be disseminated to more people out there. But to me, man, I just sit back and ask myself, I'm like, bro, is it is it really worth it? All of these secret moves and all of these antics and the backstabbing. I don't know. Now, if you're enjoying this show, be sure to follow us on Facebook at Dreamers Pro Official, Instagram at Dreamers Pro, and leave a review to let us know what you think about today's show. Now, let's continue to the next segment. Now, this particular topic was something uh, that we discussed internally today about whether or not we thought it was going to be a good idea for us to produce this show, right? Because... Sometimes you have to know how to be tactful um, when approaching certain topics. And this one was certainly uh, no exception. Now, for those of you guys who may remember, Kyrie Irving used to be a Nike athlete. Uh, He was one of the few people in the world in terms of the NBA division that had their own shoe. I mean, you're talking about Kyrie. You're talking about LeBron. You're talking about uh, Kevin Durant. You're talking about Devin Booker. Uh, maybe in a few others, right, is a very select group of, of NBA players. And he was one of them. A Paul George uh, was another one. So for you to be one of them is a pretty, pretty big deal. But as you guys know, Kyrie Irving then put out that tweet, uh, which created this firestorm around him. It was a big thing. And then ultimately, Nike and Bob Knight and these guys severed their contract. I think they terminated it, terminated his contract immediately. Um, which left Kyrie Irving as a free agent and Kyrie en- ended up being replaced by John Morant as the, the, the another Nike uh, athlete. So when that happened, a lot of people were speculating what Kyrie Irving should do next. Some people were saying, start your own shoe brand. Now, that's a very, very, very daunting endeavor because you're not getting to manufacturing, you're getting into design, you're not going to be competing. I mean, it's, it's a whole different thing. Uh, some people said maybe he should go sign with other shoemakers like maybe... Um, uh, what's the what's the company Adidas? I don't know. I don't know if people brought up Reebok or whoever it is. I don't know. But there were all of these things floating around, and a lot of people were interested to see when would when would the news come out about where Kyrie Irving would ultimately get a new shoe. Then about a about a few months ago, we got some news that Kyrie Irving was going to be signing with the shoe company called Anta, and Anta is a Chinese um, apparel brand, right? And the way the deal was structured, I believe Kyrie Irving also has some ownership, has some creative control. Uh, within the company. So in terms of if we're looking at it from a contractual standpoint and the way the deal was structured, it seemed like something that would be beneficial to Kyrie Irving. And I've actually seen some images of him wearing the shoe as recent when they were playing, uh, when is it the the Dallas Mavericks were playing against the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, in the preseason. So I saw the shoe, not really too into it, but whatever. So what happened this morning, I was going through the internet and I went to Yahoo Sports. Something told me, just go to Yahoo Sports and see what's going on there. And I came across an article with the headline stating Kyrie Irving's new Chinese shoe company is linked to human rights abuses. U.S. Congress warns uh, the league. And I was like, wow, this is very, very serious. So I actually want to get into this article and read some of the things that it has to say here. The Dallas Mavericks guard Kyrie Irving signed a new shoe deal with the Chinese apparel company earlier this year, which marked his first such sneaker partnership uh, since his contract with Nike ended amid controversies in New York. 
that deal made Irving the chief uh, creative officer at Anta, a Chinese apparent apparel giant worth more than $30 billion. According to a new Rolling Stone article, however, Anta has been directly linked to crimes against humanity and genocide by the Chinese government when it comes to forced labor. And the United States government is warning the NBA about it. A letter from the U.S. Congress sent to NBA Commissioner Adam Silver that was made public public earlier this month warned that Anta and other apparel firms in China publicly embraced the use of supply chains linked to forced labor and helped fund the genocide committed uh, there. A letter sent to National Basketball Player Association specifically mentioned Irvin's deal with Anta. While the genocide continues, Anta will, will uh, likely continue to profit from the systematic use of forced labor, the letter to NBPA President C.J. McCollum read, the United, State, the United Nations Human Rights Office accused China of human rights violations that may con constitute international crimes, in particular crimes against humanity. When it comes to the treatment uh, of others and Muslim groups uh, last year, according to, to, the, to the New York Times, the U.S. went further calling it a genocide. The Uyghur are a group of Muslims that make up about half of the region's estimated 25 million population along China's western border. Hundreds of thousands, if not more than a million, uh, and other minorities have been sent to indoctrination camps since at least March 2017, according to the Times. China has claimed the camps are benign vocational <laughs> vocational training schools. However, horrific allegations have surfaced about the treatment of people there. The government has allegedly forced the people to work in factories. Enter paroling stone sources its cotton from the region despite a U.S. ban on cotton from there. Many other companies, including Nike, Burberry, Calvin, uh, Calvin Klein, and Tommy Hilfiger, have since stopped using cotton uh, from that region. Anta has faced similar uh, criticism in the past. The company was also was the official apparel provider for the 2022 Beijing Olympics, and the IOC had to make sure the uniforms did not contain cotton after a backlash. Anta also sla slammed former Houston Rocket executive Daryl Morey after he supported Hong Kong in a tweet in 2019. Anta declined to comment uh, to Rolling Stone, though a statement on their website insists all suppliers are prohibited from using forced or involuntary labor. First and foremost, both Kyrie and Anta stand firmly against human rights violation. Irvin's representative said in a statement, the allegations surrounding Anta's involvement in such practices are gravely concerning. However, Anta has consistently clarified that their suppliers are prohibited from using forced or involuntary labor in any part of their manufacturing process. We urge the media and the public to approach this matter with fairness and nuance, refraining from perpetuating narratives that are biased and un or unfounded. Kyrie's Association with Anta seeks to enhance basketball creati basketball's creative side and uplift emerging talent. We remain committed to ethical business practices and are always open to informed, constructive uh, dialogue. And to quickly just close out here, it says Irving is not the only player in the league with uh, an a deal from Anta, though he's the only player with an executive who's an executive at the company. Golden State Warriors star Clay Thompson has a 10-year, $80 million deal with the company. Charlotte Hornets forward Gordon Haywood and Warriors center Kevon Looney have also have anti-shoe deals. And it goes on to say a few other things there. As I was reading uh, that article, 
I quickly began to realize that we're now going into the realm of politics. And it was something that I was unaware of. But now that we're here, we might as well broach it because <laughs> there's no turning back now. Um, this issue is multi-layered. And as the article said, it's nuanced. Uh, there are many different layers to look at this thing. First of all, uh, the, the, there's the, the there's a layer of where you have athletes looking for shoe brand, uh, looking for, for for brand deals, and you have shoe companies that are looking to make a profit. That's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it is the human rights component, right? That the article is basically focused on, where you don't want violations to be taking uh, place. Then there's a larger scale when you have, and let me just quickly. Let me just see this. Who is the who is the the what is it? The government body that sent out the letter to the U.S. Congress. Uh, then you have the U.S. Congress, the governments that are also you know getting involved in this by sending that letter to kind of warn uh, the NBA. And then once you get to that aspect of it, you now start bringing in politics. All right, you start bringing in politics. You also heard uh, the article mentioned Daryl Morey. Right now, why, why is Daryl Morey important? Because Daryl Morey. Uh, was the one that voiced, he had some opinions about the things that were happening there in China when it, as it pertained to human rights issues. And some people within the NBA were not happy with that. I think the NBA wasn't happy with that because of Nike and the partnership that they have out there. Uh, you know, even LeBron wasn't happy about it. And that's one of the things that people have against LeBron because they like, you have all of this fervor for all of these issues and all of that, but you're playing a role in this. Which brings us now to Kyrie Irving because Kyrie maybe inadvertently now finds himself annexed to a story like this. Do I think Kyrie Irving is part of the day-to-day -day manufacturing process of how these things are being done? No. You heard what I said. He's a creative director. So he comes in and plays a different role. He's not going to be there for the day-to-day -day because Kyrie Irving is a basketball player, number one, number two. He lives in the United States. So how are you going to know how businesses run from a daily basis when you don't even live in a country where the business is, right? So to a certain extent, um, I'm going to give uh, Kyrie a pass here. But if we're being honest about this, this is a much bigger issue. If you if you heard later on in the in the article, it mentioned uh, some other companies. It said Anter Paroling Stone sources is cotton from the region from the region, despite a U.S. ban on cotton from there. It then goes on to say many other companies hear that many other companies, including Nike, Burberry, Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger have since stopped using cotton from that region. Now, the operative word here is stopped. Stopped, meaning it's something that they used to do. Maybe until the government stepped in. Right. So to me, this is a very, very large issue. I think is an issue bigger than Kyrie. The issue with Nike, I think, is bigger than LeBron. It is much bigger because Nike is not just a, sh a shoe company and apparel company, company, excuse me, that makes basketball shoes. Nike makes, I mean, Nike does everything. They make sports apparel. They make shoes. They, they, they make jerseys. They do everything, right? So to me, I think it's a very, very big issue. Nevertheless, I think it's something worth uh, uh, broaching, at least for the edification of the, of the audience, right? Because I believe people are going to gain some valuable information and it's up to you to now decide 
uh, what you want to do with this information. I'm not here to cast any judgment on anyone because number one, I don't have all the facts and I'm not going to pretend that I, I'm not going to pretend that I have all of the facts after reading just one article. If this was something that I researched heavily consistently, then I'll probably be able to take a stronger position in any direction. But as of now, um, a lot of it is quite surprising to me and, um, I'm going to follow the story as it continues on, but it seems like there are major conflicts in here because for the government to essentially ban or governments, to ban companies like uh, Nike, Burberry, Calvin Klein, and Tommy Hilfiger from producing or from sourcing, excuse me, their kind from that region, it tells you that there's something there. And I think that this is something that's probably going to be dealt with in the near future. So thank you for listening to today's show. And don't forget to let us know what you think about today's show on iTunes or any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Thank you.